Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm, and I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. I'm pretty tired because last night I finally finished and shipped my most recent beta for Overcast 4.0, and it's going to the App Store now. Yay! I hope so. I hope it's yay. Well, it's, you, know, you never really know until like maybe a day after it's been in the store, and then you realize, okay, nothing seems to have gone horribly wrong. It seems okay. Now I can finally like breathe, you know, breathe and like relax a little bit. Well, but at, at the very least, you, you're you're at, you've 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 crossed the point where now you've said this is 4.0. Like this is what this version is, and so it's now it's just fixes from here rather than like you, you've crossed that point where you're like considering everything in the known universe as a possibility. It's like now you've crossed over to like this is what it's going to be, and now you can just fix and tweak from from here on out so it's an accomplishment either way yeah and i mean this is a bit of a weird release for me because it's not a big feature release like the list of new features is really short it's basically a giant bug fix and ui tweaking release Uh, i did want to talk this week about the the process of beta testing that i use this time this is this is the first time so in in the past i've done small scale betas where i invite like you know 30 or 40 friends and trusted people and people like bloggers and stuff like that and i've had relatively minimal success with those over time you know when when you're inviting people to a beta uh the problem that i always that i've always had and i do is when people invite me to their betas i have the exact same thing uh which is you get to you get the app you poke around a whole lot with the very first build you get and then you basically don't ever do it again or like you know then it becomes like regular usage of the app for you you're you're not really like thoroughly testing and thoroughly giving feedback on anything past like the very first one that you get in a lot of in a lot of cases and so it's very hard for small betas to really provide meaningful feedback in terms of bug reporting they are very useful usually in terms of like design critique ui critique you know figuring out like what parts of your app are confusing people and which parts aren't pretty much any number of people will reveal the same set of problems with that. It's like if you have a beta test of 40 people and a beta te- or a beta test of 4,000 people, like they're going to have roughly the same output of like this, parts of the- this part of the app is confusing to us or this part doesn't really work for us. You'll just have more reports of the same things um, if you have a bigger, a bigger group. So for that, it's good. But for actually finding bugs, it's not that useful to have a small group because they, they won't run into as many as a bigger group will um so and and again because of that kind of drop-off effect where people install the very first version and then not much after that it becomes hard to, to even keep the group going in test flight i have this group called like friends that you know of that group like test flight tells you who installs each version and i can I, you can just see like every time you send, you send a new build like it gets fewer installations than the one before it so if you're sending build to the same group of people over and over again you know, eventually you're not getting a meaningful number of, of people installing it to really be worth the, the hassle at all. So one, one of the approaches I did in the past was I basically set up a, a, a basic little form on the Overcast site and I announced on Twitter, like, hey, sign up here and the first, you know, 500 people allowed to test flight. And this, this all became possible with test flight being part of Apple and having its limits raised. Um, the initial, you know, so back when it was like, UDID provisioning based manual stuff which was horrible that was limited to 100 right and it was under devices not even people 
Yeah, and, and the devices were tied to your developer account, and you couldn't reset them, and so yeah, it was a big pain. It was you really couldn't have an open call because you would be tying, like, locking into someone, you know, for an for an entire calendar year. I think it was. Yeah, and then like, and even even if you finally got like your thirty friends in there to test it, then as soon as everyone got new phones or new iPads or whatever, like it ruined it, and you had to go reset. <laughs> it was you had like six devices from that like one person who reviews phones, and it's like <laughs> it's like which one of these are you currently using and taking up all these slots and yeah, so that was a pain. So then when Apple bought it, then they they the initial like raise of the limit, I believe, raised to a thousand, right? Yes, I believe so. It got a couple more raises, and then most recently, I think this past summer, they raised it to twenty thousand. So that's now a lot of people. Now you know if, if you can, and now there's there's much better management of groups in test flight. So you can you can have like a like you know close friends group, and then you can have like a, a public group where you can have like send and you can send different builds to different groups. So you can have you can kind of stage it out where like you, you can try things first with a smaller group and then stage it out to a bigger group. You can have a separate group for like people in the press, stuff like that. So there's great flexibility now in test flight. And so this time I wanted to take even more advantage of it than I, than I have before. I wanted to get way more people in there, first of all. So before the group would be like 500 people. Now, if you send out 500 invitations, you're going to get about 300 people who actually install and use the build. And, and then, you know, so and then, of those 300 people, you're going to get maybe 20 people who actually ever email you anything. So like, it, you, you have to start like running the numbers here. It's like, okay, this is – to get a meaningful amount of feedback, you need a lot of people. And you also need to make feedback easy, and there needs to be like a good place for it. The other issue I've had in, in the past when I've done those larger tests is I always get people asking me, like, what's the official forum for discussing this? Like, should I just be emailing you through the test flight response emails, which are okay – um is that everyone always asks for like is there like a, a, a forum or a bug tracker or a slack group or a chat room or a, like anything like that any place to go to discuss this beta that was always a problem and i didn't really have a way to communicate with the testers except just emailing everybody which nobody wants that <laughs> and I, I don't want to do it no one wants to receive that so so i didn't have that either so this for this beta i decided to go all out and try something even crazier Instead of instead of you know announcing or instead of inviting five hundred people, this time I invited fifteen hundred people, and I set up a Slack group for the very first time for people to join the Overcast Slack and discuss uh, the beta and report bugs and everything. And this is basically what I want to talk about today: is the experience of doing this, lessons I've learned, th- things I'm definitely going to keep doing, things I'm definitely not going to do in the future, um, etc. Uh, have you ever used Slack for this kind of purpose before? Only informally, like in terms of I have had conversations on Slack about my apps with individuals, but never on a on the way that you're doing it, where it's like you're creating essentially a this you know a a, a semi public forum where you know hundreds of people can talk about your app, and the purpose of the room is to talk about the app like i've never done anything like that like it's it, it's always been way too intimidating of a a thing to manage and to feel like i would be able to reasonably engage with i think it's the thing that always made me a little intimidated by something like that where if someone is providing feedback i want to would want to be able to feel present in there so that it's not like they're just sort of shouting to each other in the void but um yeah so i've never gone i've never gone down this road so i'm very curious to hear the lessons you learned from going down it all right so 
First, we are sponsored this week by Blue Apron, the number one recipe delivery service with the freshest ingredients. Get $30 off your delivery and free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash radar today. Blue Apron makes incredible home cooking accessible to everyone, and they, su- they support a more sustainable food system. They set the highest standards for their ingredients, and they're building a community of home chefs. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes with fresh, high-quality ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals in 40 minutes or less. Every meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and ingredients that are portioned out to exactly the amount you need so they're reducing food waste. And the Blue Apron Freshness Guarantee promises that every ingredient makes it safe, sound, and ready to cook, or they will make it right. I've been using Blue Apron myself, my wife, for uh, maybe two years now. It's been a long time since before they were a sponsor of any of our shows. Absolutely love it. We, we, we stick with it. We pay for it, too, like we, just like everybody else, and we stick with it. It's wonderful. Um, it, 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 we really are better chefs now. We've tried so many new foods, not even by having to go to restaurants, but like by cooking them ourselves, and like we've eaten things we've never eaten before, and, and it's just wonderful. that Their hit rate is very high. Um, we've even tried other services that are similar, and we have found them to be by far our favorite. They are the ones we always go back to, and it's, it's just the best. So, you can choose from a variety of new recipes each week, or you can let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. There is no weekly commitment, so you only get deliveries when you want them. So if you're going to be super busy or out of town for a week, you can just go on, go on their app or their site and just say, all right, skip this, this delivery and this delivery, and that's it. You don't get charged for them. They don't give you a hassle. You don't have to call anybody. It's great. So try Blue Apron today. Go to blueapron.com slash radar to get $30 off your first delivery and free shipping. You will love how great it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So get started today at blueapron.com slash radar. Thank you to Blue Apron for supporting this show. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So I decided to do my big beta group and my Slack group as feedback for the beta for the first time this, this time. So making getting the big, the big beta group was easy. I posted on Twitter. I said, "Here's here's a web form, and you know it's just a little thing." As I said, uh, it makes it easy easy for me to dump out a CSV, uh, in, and then I can import it right into test flight. So there, there, there's no real manual work here involved in the testers, and it, it it doesn't really matter how many you have. It's the same amount of work. Um, there's also you know as more people get added to the list, you can you don't have to keep track of who's been added or who hasn't. You can just export the entire list, and TestFlight is smart enough not to import a bunch of duplicates. So you can just like make a new version of the CSV that has 51 people instead of 50 people. Import that, and it'll say we we imported one new tester. And if you want, you can download a list of the 50 that we already had. Like it's really it's very it's quite clever, quite full featured. Um, so TestFlight is really great so far. It's it's been wonderful. They really have done quite a lot with it, and I'm I'm very happy with it. Um, Slack, uh, the idea of creating a Slack that had kind of a public invitation used to be hard. It used to require that people make little web apps that would use their API to generate one-off invitation links to every person who who went there and tried to sign up. Um, this is no longer the case. Uh, Slack, you can now and and I. I should clarify, I only have a free Slack account. I'm not paying for this. They, their paid tier has lots of cool things for like you know more pro use, but for this kind of thing, you don't really need any of them. And it would actually be, I think, quite cost prohibitive if you wanted to have 1,500 people in a Slack room with you. Um, it's a pretty big company. Yeah, yeah exactly. That would, that would be probably not on, on an indie budget. Uh, but anyway, so now Slack just gives you these invite links that just last 30 days. Or I think maybe in 60 days, they last a long time. So you can just like have one and hardly ever change it. And they just invite anybody who knows the link. And if you need to reset it, if, if it gets in the wrong hands, you can, but you know, you probably don't care. 
Um, so it's very, very easy to have a bulk invite. So I just put that bulk invite in the test flight emails and said, here, here this, is the, this is the official discussion channel for this release, or you can, or you can just email through test flight. I gave people both options, and they use both options. Um, but by far, the most people used Slack. It was by far the most common feedback channel. Only a handful of people emailed, as usual. Um, but Slack got, let's see, I, I invited like, you know, about 1,500 people. The, the site group has 945 people in it right now. That's an incredible ratio. Like to have like two thirds of the people who were invited join a Slack channel. I, I was not expecting that because, you know, a lot of people like if you use Slack at all, you probably have too many Slacks. Like that's kind of, that's kind of like the problem is like everyone has a slack for something now so you have people who don't use it and don't want to use it and that's fine but people who do use it they have too many so i thought it would be hard to get people to sign up just for this um i and i expected the ratio of people who did sign up to be lower than two-thirds um so that's pretty awesome uh, and this again this probably has a lot to do with your audience i mean my audience is pretty nerdy so that probably helped me a lot here um anyway so that was great the one thing that became immediately apparent <laughs> when when sending out that first batch of invitations is that a I should not send fifteen hundred invitations at the same time <laughs> because what that meant was I had most of these nine hundred people joining like that first night, and the slack channel went crazy like from it was it went from zero to hundred miles an hour in two seconds and even faster than your tesla and like it was just like massive floods of information um it very quickly became apparent that i needed some kind of slightly more structured way of reporting bugs um i created a a bugs room or channel in the slack uh, and i had like a little header thing in general saying like please report bugs there and generals for everything else and that worked sort of like you know about two-thirds of the bugs went there about a third still came a general so you know you had this massive flood of of chat going on and it became very very time consuming for me to even just try to keep up with the slide to keep just even just to read what was being said let alone to actually respond to anything or to have time to actually like record these bugs down in any kind of system or tracker or to-do list or anything um it, it became quite overwhelming at first the good thing is that that massive wave of activity was mostly just because everybody had just joined and we're using the very first beta build at the same time and so that has now calmed down and now it is even though there's almost a thousand people in there there's almost no chatter you know now because it's now just like a more of a regular discussion group uh so it's not going to be and and it's not like general discussion of like you know news and politics it's just like about this app so i'm going to keep this group going by the way now you know the beta is now kind of over but there's going to be more betas and i'm going to i'm just going to keep this group open and just you know still monitor it because now it's just like the overcast slack um and if anybody wants to join i'll put the link in the show notes so anybody you don't have to be on the beta to join the room i don't i don't care who joins um please just please be nice and then that's about it um so anyway the the biggest thing that became apparent to me during this, so be, besides the fact that you shouldn't send all your invitations all at once to avoid that massive flood, is that Slack is not a bug tracker. 
And I'm sure I, I, I'm sure every bug tracker has some kind of integration or app that I can use with Slack. And I haven't tried any of them. I apologize. I, I honestly have not had time. <laughs> but so for all the people who are using them or writing them or you know work for these companies, I, I, I apologize. I'm sure you have good solutions. I would love to hear about them after the iPhone 10 ships. <laughs> but for now, I don't have time. <laughs> um, but Slack is really a terrible bug tracker if you try to basically just use it itself as one um because you know a there's no like sorting or voting or easy way for people to check if there's been duplicates of the same thing so number one problem is tons of duplicate bug reports of bugs i already that that were already reported like 10 chat lines up from from the person reporting it but I don't expect every person to come in there and read the entire history of Slack first before they report their bug. Like, I, I don't want them to have to do that because then they won't report their bugs, and that's bad for me. So you can't really expect people to do that. So there has to be some better way that I have to devise to to let people submit bug reports to, for people to be able to see what is currently being worked on um, and what what is currently already known. And I know, I mean, everybody who has a bug report system knows that people report duplicates anyway, but I think I get a lot fewer of them, and that would reduce the workload, at least. Um, Slack also doesn't have basic things like, suppose somebody reports a really good bug, and I want to get to it, but there's now 100 items below it that are newer, and the next time I go to that page, it's it's gone. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's you know buried under newness. Um you, there's a few mechanisms like they had like slackbot has a remind feature you can like you can say like remind me of this message tomorrow or in an hour it's a pretty coarse system it's not very well featured and it just shows up as like dms from slackbot which is a hack i mean let's it it's fine and i use that system on a few of them to like okay i want to hit this but i'm like seeing this on my ipad right now right before i go to bed or something it's like i don't i can't deal with this right now Slack also does not have a, a mark as unread for DMs or anything. So you can't, like, if somebody DMs me and says, hey, my, I'm not on the beta, can you please add this email address? If I see that DM, that marks it as read. If I don't do it right there, like right then, or some way to remind me of this later, it's gone. Because then, you know, tomorrow, they're going to be lost off my DM list. It, I'll, I'll never remember. I'll never find it. Um, so it, it it's really not a good bug tracking system with the with the lack of an actual bug tracker and the lack of any kind of markers on red to kind of hack it and the coarseness of the reminder system you can do things that are kind of like bug tracking in slack but it's not very good at it where it is really good at it is the ability to freely upload media and for other people to like thumbs up and emoji response things and stuff like that um and so for me a total game changer in this beta test that i that, I, that had not happened before is people were able to record screen captures with the iOS 11 built-in screen recording ability. And so, so many of the bug reports, I'd say most of the bug reports, people were also posting videos of them recorded with iOS screen capture right from the phone. That is awesome. And that helped so much. You know, a video is worth 10,000 words, right? As the saying goes. Sure. So <laughs> that was a huge game changer. And the the built-in test flight emailing feedback thing, I don't think makes that easy. Uh, but people were very much doing it in Slack and it was wonderful. Um, so that was great. Um, otherwise, it was it was really nice. Besides the, the bug reporting, duplicate, mark is read, remind me, mediocrity. It was really nice to have a discussion group 
about the build because then like I was able to had to like ask the ask the room like hey what if I do this and I, I had like a little like yes and no button as reactions and people would like vote on it. I'm, I'm there's probably a poll functionality now I, I'm not honestly I'm not a Slack expert so there I probably could have done even more with this um, stuff like that and 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 also because it was a chat when people would sometimes people would report a bug and I wasn't around then other people would tell them, oh, that's a bug, it's being fixed in the next build, or, oh, that's not a bug, here's why, or here's, like, that's intended, like, other people were helping each other, and so that also, you know, you get some of that with, like, a form and stuff, but I, I think it's easier with Slack. So, ultimately, I do need a real bug tracker, but otherwise, oh, <laughs> I need a real bug tracker, and I don't need to send all the invites all at once, but otherwise, it was a huge success, I got way more bugs reported than I ever had before. I got tons of bugs reported that weren't even bugs in this beta, but were bugs from earlier versions that like you know that just happened to still not be fixed. It was wonderful. So I will not only keep this group going as just the overcast slack, uh, but I will definitely do future betas in this exact same way. I think the only way it would really fall down with doing like a large scale, mostly public beta like this is for secrecy if you wanted to keep things private if you didn't want people posting screenshots or revealing what your features were uh then you have a problem and you you have to make different arrangements then but i didn't i decided with this release to kind of develop it in the open and that that alone is possibly worth discussing but the short version is like i was tired of keeping it secret and this version had a lot of like ui fan service almost like doing like doing long-standing requests in the ui of basic stuff like one tap play and stuff like that um so i i kind of felt secrecy wasn't important for this and so i just did it all in the, in the public and it was fine so yeah ultimately success the biggest things that come to mind for me with this is is at first do you have a concern about the like i guess the skew or the bias of the group that you have um, to as whether it's sort of representative of your user base at large, because um, one thing that comes to mind with this is like it, it's incredibly specific to they you know someone saw a link on Twitter who follows you or Overcast went to it signed up for it and then knew what Slack was went through the process of creating a Slack and or a Slack account and like gone into it like there's a there's a fairly high barrier to get in there which is good in some ways in the sense that these users are clearly invested and interested and passionate and excited about your app um but the only thing that i kind of wonder about is it's is it you know your user base is much broader from a experience or technical savviness or whatever perspective and so it's like i would be nervous for myself of you know, having having a place where I'm getting lots of reinforcement for choices or decisions that may be biased in a particular direction. So I was curious if that's something that you're worried about. It absolutely is, but I think that's unfortunately inherent in pretty much any beta test that almost anybody would do. You know, because the number of people who are going to be willing to join a Slack probably has a lot of overlap with the people who are willing to join a beta. And so, you know, that, I think that's one of the reasons why my, my join rate was so high as a percentage of, of people. But, you know, ultimately, I still have now, you know, like 800 to 1500 installations of this build running in the wild, getting crash reports that collect with the built-in crash reporter, having people experience this in 800 different ways. Like, that's wonderful. 
and I've you know so even though it's not 800 of the exact same kind of per, or it, it isn't like in a random representative sample of the user base it's such a big sample of the user base that I think it still has a lot of value and ultimately you know I don't think I have a better alternative for beta testing than doing something like this like I'm not, I'm not going to capture a real random sample through beta through beta testing because not everyone wants to install a beta or even knows how or has any interest in doing it and then they won't even give feedback maybe so like it's not there's no way to get a true random sample so i think what i have now is pretty good yeah and i think it's less the thing that would worry me less is the like the beta testing is just useful insofar as the the having a good volume of things just to catch issues that you wouldn't see otherwise but yeah it's it's the i would be worried about it changing my perspective of the app and pushing the app in a direction um that like i have to consciously i know for myself choose to try and put myself in the mindset of like whatever my i imagine my typical user is and so like having you know it'd be easy to get to 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 have something like this where you get this sense of like well everyone loves it everyone loved it in the slack um i could see that being a tricky thing um something else i was curious is how do you see this interacting with so like the way you so like general support so i imagine you you know you, you, you there's an email address that people can email um and within the app with a lot of caveats you have a way to, for people to contact you and report stuff um there is that something that you expect to continue doing or is this sort of your the direction that you're going to try and push that into that if, if you're like the feedback that you receive for the app will come through this group rather than you know sort of because i would it would be awkward i imagine at a certain point to be maintaining two totally separate sort of inboxes that you have your email feedback and support and then you have your slack email support now you have these two places that you now have to dedupe stuff between and manage and read and like you're in you could uh, sort of I remember, the risky thing would be in, at a certain point you're just doubling the problem um so i'm curious what you thought about that that's definitely a risk i mean you know when you when you create one of these groups you know you are adding a new thing that you have to check um that you have to you know respond to and so that, you know, normally I'd be very averse to that. The difference here is that I already use Slack a lot. I'm already checking it throughout the day for other in other Slacks. And so like, it's not a big deal for me to add one more thing here. And and because it is, you know, semi-public, it does have that effect of other people will help each other. And they have been. So that, that helps tremendously compared to email. Um, but, you know, I also set such an incredibly bad standard for how I respond to email that anything's an improvement. Sure. Yeah. And then I guess the last thing too is I always wonder about is it's like I I always worry about from a sense of create whenever you create a community and you're sort of the moderator or the steward of it, it's like there's that feeling of responsibility for making sure that everyone's being nice and everyone's treating each other appropriately and that side of things would you know, like in and just thinking of the the way that I get will get email, you know, customer support email that can be very negative and can be very um, harsh or problematic and it would be something that would be in some ways I'm glad that that's not um, a public thing and then also it's you know it's something that I've had to put people you know someone else reads my first line of customer support to avoid that having an impact on me personally um, and so this feels even more direct and even more um, connected in that way so that's another thing that sort of comes to mind as you know potentially problematic I did think about that, and I'm, I, you know, long term that might become a problem eventually, but probably not. I mean, the, the because like this is a very topic focused 
Slack. And it's, you know, it's specifically about discussing this app and feedback about this app and bug reports about this app. I think as long as I keep it relatively tightly focused to that, I'm not that concerned about, you know, basically community problems. Because running a community, you know, your concern is very very good and very correct like running a a more general purpose community is really hard and there's so many problems with just humans and the way we talk to each other and like it's it's a big problem and it's it's a huge challenge that i am not at all set up to do and have no interest in doing Um, but this is such a small and focused group i don't think it will be a problem and if it does become a problem i'll just shut it down sure yeah, because I mean, the reality is, like, at the end of the day, like, the proof is in the pudding. Like, I've been using the beta since, um, you know, the beginning of this process and have watched it get better and better and better. And I think, you know, it's like the reality is it work, like, it is working. And so even if there are sort of potential pitfalls or problems that, that may come down the road, like, this has certainly proved to be a very effective way to get a lot of useful feedback that has made your app better over time. And so, like, and from that perspective, it's just like an absolutely clear win of like, yeah, this is certainly has worked well and is an interesting case study, I think, for um, you know other developers to consider. I mean, I think for myself, I am still too intimidated by it. I'll probably just stick to email and, you know, have someone do my tier one support and kind of filter it through like that works for me. But I can totally see where this could be. It's like it is such a bigger potential upside um, just at the expense of a few potential downsides. But overall like it's working and i you know i'm loving the bill that i have now so it's worked yeah i mean first of all never underestimate how much i hate email um and and and, you know you're right though i mean this this the process worked in the sense that i got better and more feedback than ever and as a result this is in my opinion to the best of my knowledge asterisk asterisk the least buggy and best version that i've ever shipped and you know the results speak for themselves anyway thanks for listening everybody and we'll talk to you next week Bye.